0: Good morning. Good morning. We are continuing in our study. We had a little, deep, not detour, but we took a little break last Sunday with Chris. Um, and I was appreciative, always appreciative of listening to somebody who's really smart talk about faith. You realize we're, we're you know, for me early on I I, I did not one of the reasons I didn't turn to Christianity was because I thought you're committing intellectual suicide to do that. that. That just the things that that were believed, they don't happen. So, anyways, I'm just glad that we have very, very smart critical thinkers who believe that it did happen and have a reasonableness to uh, be able to explain that. So, anyways, it's it's it's, it's good. Um, I'm gonna pray and ask for God's blessing over our time that your hearts would be open to, to what God has to say and that. I would speak in a way that would honor and glorify him. Will will you join me in that? Father, thank you so much for this time and this time together. I pray, Lord, that as we open your word, that you would speak through me. I have nothing to say, but you have everything to say. And I pray that you would speak to every person here and, and those that are watching on the live stream. And God, I pray that the time that I've spent and what I share, it would be you speaking through me in a way that will challenge us. Uh, that will encourage us and motivate us to live in a li- to live a life that would honor and glorify you and I ask this in Jesus name amen well real quick let 's get to our Number of passages we're going to be looking at, but I, I want to kind of be together on a couple of them. So if you'll open your Bible to your table of contents or your Bible app to your table of contents, I'm going to ask you to mark two places. The first place I'm going to ask you to mark is Philippians. Both books are in the New Testament, so you're going to you're going to mark the book of well, the third book, which is Luke, chapter 12. So if you'll kind of find Luke chapter 12 and and just put a marker there, and then if you'll open your Bibles up to Philippians, which is a little further down from Luke. And get to chapter number three, Philippians chapter three. And there'll be more verses besides that, but that should have you covered. So we are, we've been talking about the sickness within, which is the, the fact that we're all born with sickness we're all born with a sickness within the human condition is that we're sinful we're broke we're, we're born that way and so we live out our brokenness and what we have found is that in Jesus Christ we can be healed and so we're now addressing these matters that are within us that we deal with and how do we bring in and, and apply what Jesus has taught us and and not just what he's taught us but the the power that he gives us to live lives that are not drugged down That that, that our joy is not robbed because of the sickness uh, that we battle, and and today is uh, I've not spoken on this issue today, or at least part of it. So this is a first for me, and I want to begin by uh, asking by a show of hands, how many of you recognize the name Joey Chestnut? Raise your hand. Joey Chestnut, right? He he, this just last month actually. Uh, he won again the 2023 Nathan's Famous Hot Dog Eating Contest. And they are given, they line them all up, they're given 10 minutes, and whoever eats the most hot dogs wins. And in 10 minutes, Joy Chestnut, and this is not just hot dogs, we're talking with buns. He ate 62 hot dogs with buns in 10 minutes. Now, if that doesn't impress you, his personal record is 76. <laughs> now I, I start with that because there was a day I could eat, I could eat pretty well too. I, I could I could pack it in, throw it down, whatever you want to call it. I could do that, uh, and it actually goes way back. I mean, way back to the football days, the early football days, when my coaches told me incessantly, gain weight, so uh, back in the day I, I was a quarterback. I could throw the ball well, but i i didn 't have the frame that could endure at sometimes a strong wind okay <laughs> and So the coaches were like, gain weight. And so, I mean, I started eating voraciously. I've had a pretty good appetite before that, but I was throwing down protein shakes, protein pills. I was eating nonstop ice cream. No discretion whatsoever. Just eat, eat, eat. And I kept hearing, gain weight, gain weight. So my mom took me to the doctor. And the doctor said, you have an abnormally high metabolism rate. Don't worry, you'll grow out of it. I've never grown out of it, ever. And so I had to endure, uh, and and really what came from it was, there was a lot of insecurity that developed from that. Because I I wasn't as big as I I, I knew I needed to be, I wasn't as big as the coaches were saying I needed to be, and believe me, I, I, I did get hit hard and um, broke my leg in one instance. And so it was, it was, it was just something that, I, that I've battled and, and, and I struggled with it. And I continued to eat and eat and eat. Well, I took that, that, that appetite, if you will, into uh, adulthood. And when I started to work uh, at the CPA firm, some of you know that I, I used to do CPA work, which let me just parenthetically say, if you wanna join the ministry, take some accounting classes first because accounting will drive you to ministry. It really will. But I did that for a while, and I, and I, for, for quite a while, and, and I worked at a, a CPA firm where we did not ever bring our lunch. You would never bring your lunch because you've got to portray to your client you've got enough money to buy lunch. And so we all go out as a team. Well, I would go out as a, go with the team, and I was hungry enough that they, uh, and I, I didn't think it was funny at the time, but apparently it became a novelty, and that is I would go to like Italian restaurants and I would order two entrees. Which was very expensive, but at the time I was making good money. And so kind of word got around that, hey, and then they looked at me like, where do you put all that food? I'm like, in my stomach. Uh, And it wasn't anything to have two entrees. Well, word got around that there was a couple other guys in the firm that were big eaters. And so some of the partners one time, they kind of had, we had like an eat-off. I didn't win, but I'm telling you, I pushed the guy that won, okay? Who was about twice my girth. So I I have it at work and I'm just eating. And believe me, I I still hear gain weight, Sullivan, gain weight. And then I go on my first cruise. Anybody ever here been on a cruise? It's really just a floating table with food on it. That's really what a cruise is. I mean, all the time. And I'm just like, I I, I did clearly more eating than I did excursions. It was just like, look at this. And it was just amazing. And then... um, and then my second cruise, and I've only been on two, something started to dial in. and I started to think, maybe this isn't that good a thing. And then 15 years ago, not long after that, I was diagnosed as pre-diabetic. And my doctor said, tell me about your eating habits. He goes, Do you have, have you ever been overweight? I said, doc, I've never made, weighed more than 187 pounds in my life. He says, well, I think what happened to you is you ate like an obese person, but your body never showed it. And that's true, and I thought I was like beating the system. But inside, that wasn't what was happening. And so I had to change my diet dramatically, uh, my portion size. And I mean, I, I, I've always been active. I work out four or five times a week. So I was doing all the exercise that I needed to do. And so you know, he, he was hoping that if I changed the diet, that I could hold off. And I did that for 15 years. And I held it off for 15 years. And then just last year, I was diagnosed as diabetic. And I had to start taking medicine. And it was, I, I just felt, I was very sad. I, I felt like I lost. Because I felt like I could, in the body that God had given me, I, I felt like I, I, can, I can hold this off. And I felt like it was a, like just a complete loss. And so I've been having to deal with that. And um, what's really kind of, uh, well, the reason I'm sharing that with you It's because today we're going to talk about gluttony and greed. And As we talk about gluttony, I I didn't want anyone here, I didn't want anyone to tune in and think, what are you doing talking about gluttony? I mean, when you turn sideways, you disappear. Why are you talking about it? Well, I want you to know that sadly what I was doing was I was committing the sin of gluttony, thinking I was getting away with it. And I really didn't even think about it. Honestly, I never thought that it was a sin. I thought because I wasn't getting, you know, I wasn't gaining weight and, and, and my body wasn't showing it outwardly, I thought I was okay. Obviously coming to find out, no. And now, now, I'm, you know, now I'm dealing with that. And, and that's not easy. Now, the, the challenging thing, believe it or not, was uh, Friday night, uh, we were graciously given a, a gift card to a Brazilian steakhouse. And Nancy and I went Friday night. And I'm sitting there across the table and, and talking to her, and I go, I, I, I feel like I'm walking a tightrope here. Because on Sunday I gotta talk about gluttony. And they just keep bringing meat by. And and um I've been able to cut my carbs and I have to count my carbs and do all that kind of stuff. But meat, I mean, I, I, I eat till I sweat. And and that's um and, and I know people laugh about that, and and so I I'm realizing. Uh, And and again, this is just a confession here. I'm just rolling it all out to you, okay? Uh, For 60 years of my life, um, it wasn't until I started studying for this that I realized that I needed to confess my sin to God for gluttony. You see, the changes I made and what what looked to be like repentance in a way was me really just trying to preserve my own health because sometimes I idolize my health. But, but I, I finally, in reading what we're going to read today, and really just taking it to God, God was like, do you see, do you see the sin that just so easily kind of ran around in your, in your body, and, and in, your, in your head, and in your heart, and everything, and so I, I confessed for the first time that to him, uh, and, and um, it, it's, it is a fine line to walk, but I, I will tell you, they, they came by, and, and they just got these sticks of meat. Right, and, they, and they just, use, they slice it off and, and I'm just talking to going, okay, I'm walking this, this tightrope thing and, and I actually said no two times, which is unheard of, unheard of. Now, it, it, in full disclosure, I, I said no to lamb a few different times. I was waiting for the prime uh, rib with the bacon wrapped around it. Oh my goodness, it was amazing. But I think I walked out of there right on the edge. I walked out of there full but I don't think I was like food coma full, okay? I didn't go home and take a nap, all right? So long way, I realized, to get into this topic, but I felt like it was important that maybe understanding that I let the sin of gluttony go kind of unaddressed for a long time. And, and, I, and I'm paying the price for it, right? God has forgiven me for that, and I'm so thankful for that. He's forgiven me for the work of Christ and my faith in his work on my behalf. But as you've maybe experienced before, sometimes God does forgive and he even forgets our sins. But the consequences still sometimes stay. And I'm dealing with the consequences, and I will be dealing with them for the rest of my life. But I'm thankful for his forgiveness. So with that, what I wanna do is I want us to look today at gluttony. and I want us to look at greed as, as the sickness that is within. Believing, believing that everyone in this room and everyone who's watching live stream has committed the sin of gluttony and greed. And I think if we dive in and really understand what it is, I, I think you will come to that conclusion yourself as well. And then that's, you know, i leave that between you and God. But let's, let's start with Let's get a sense as to how important this, really, this matter really is. So you hopefully have your Bibles open to Philippians chapter 3. I hope I said chapter 3. But turn your Bibles to uh, Philippians chapter 3. And let's look at verses 18 and 19. Paul's written this letter to um, church in Philippi, to people just like you and me. And he says in verse 18, he says, For I have often told you, and now say again with tears, that many live as enemies of the cross of Christ. Now, who could these possibly be? Who's he referring to as enemies of the cross of Christ? Verse 19, he says, their end is destruction. Their God is their stomach. Their glory is in their shame. They are focused on earthly things. My friends, my stomach has been my God at times. Um, And and I've I've said enough about that. But, but uh, I, I cannot read that verse now uh, in the same way that I, I had been before. Uh, Proverbs 23 says, for the drunkard and the glutton will become poor and grogginess will clothe them in rags. So I think God's word is saying that gluttony is important to God in the sense that we deal with it, that we recognize it. And, and God, God certainly for, and wants to forgive us for that, but. To forgive us, we have to acknowledge it is wrong. We have to repent. We have to confess that and, and acknowledge that what we've done is wrong. So that's gluttony. Uh, what about greed? Well, in 1 Timothy chapter 6, verses 9 and 10, a young pastor, Timothy, writing Paul's writing to Timothy, and, and he's got a church in Ephesus, which is present-day Turkey, and, and Paul writes to Timothy to tell those in his church, verse 9, he says, But those who want to be rich fall into temptation, a trap and many foolish and harmful desires, which plunge people into ruin and destruction. For the love of money is a root of all kinds of evil, and by craving it, some have wandered away from the faith and pierced themselves with many pains." And then Jesus said this in Matthew chapter 6, verse 24, he says, "'No one can be a slave of two masters, "'since either he will hate the one and love the other, "'or be devoted to one and despise the other. "'You cannot be slaves of God and of money.'" Many other places, the Bible speaks to greed. And I I think it's safe to say that when you look at consumer debt, which I checked in on that just a couple nights ago, I said, well, what's consumer debt in in the United States? They're now counting it in trillions. You look at all all the self-storage places that pop up, and many of them are there because people don't have enough room in their houses to store all their stuff. I think it's safe to say those two data points, and there are more, that greed is alive and well in our culture. And what we've got to take from the words that we've read from God's word, and there are many others, is that the sins of gluttony and greed, they need to be addressed and taken seriously. Gluttony and greed is not a joke. It's not something that's kind of on the secondary list of sins. It's not a primary one. It's an offense against God. And these are warnings. What I'm reading, these are warnings to those who practice gluttony and greed, who who practice it in such a way that they don't acknowledge that it's a sin against God, and they don't confess it, and they they don't seek to repent and battle hard to do everything they can as they're empowered by the Spirit of God to be right. And what they eat, how they eat, where they eat, when they eat, and how much they eat, and how they spend the money that God gives them beyond what they need. And so this morning, I want to start by just recognizing that it's an important issue, it's not a joke. So let's, let's kind of get an idea, what exactly are we talking about when we mean gluttony and greed? Well, gluttony, and this is a definition from the internet, so we know that it's, it's right. Um, and notice the word greed will be in it. Gluttony is the habitual greed or excess in eating. Now, I like the way I I heard it uh, said this way. Gluttony is living to eat rather than eating to live. And my friends, that would define how I ate. I lived to eat. I love to eat. I love to go out to eat. I actually don't like stop eating. But... I know that I need to eat to live now. Proverbs chapter 25, verse 16 says, if you find honey, eat only what you need, otherwise you'll get sick from it and vomit. Now, let me be very clear, the Bible does not condemn celebrations and, and, and eating wonderfully beautiful choice foods. It's, it's not like I'm saying, it's a good thing I'm not having this message like the Sunday before Thanksgiving, right? It's kind of like, oh man, you're putting a dent. No, that's not it at all. You can have a wonderful Thanksgiving Day feast. You can have a wonderful celebration. You can go out to a, an, an amazing restaurant and you can still enjoy that experience without committing the sin of gluttony, as can I. Now what I want to say about gluttony that I think is very important is that we tend to think that gluttony is obvious, right? You can see gluttony, but my friends, gluttony is not an issue about weight, it is about eating. Not all overweight people are gluttons, and not all thin people, and notice I use the word thin, very important, when I grew up, if someone said skinny, I'd wanna punch them in the nose. That just doesn't sound, it. thin, lean, like those words. But the point is that not all thin people are immune to gluttony, I being example A, okay? So we have to be mindful of that. And, and gluttony has a lot of different looks. I mean, we could go on and on. I mean, gluttony is, um, I mean, when you really think about this, when you eat and you drink without any understanding or care to the nutritional value of what you're eating, the reason I ate so much meat was because it's a protein and it doesn't have carbs and it didn't spike my blood sugars. And so that's why I would just just go to town on proteins. And, and I have to count my carbs now. And there's only a certain amount of carbs I really, to stay healthy, should eat at any given meal. And I'll tell you, there are times when a chocolate chip cookie is just too hard to pass up. And I can feel, I mean, it's a battle. I feel the battle. And I'm watching other people eat, and I'm thinking, I should be able to eat one. Or wow, they look really good. And sometimes I walk away. I, I will tell you what I have found that I'm eating like crazy. I'm, I think I might turn into a rabbit. I'm eating carrots like no one's business. And it ain't fun. Chocolate chip cookie, carrots. I mean, it's not even a clear, I mean, but that's where I'm at. So, I, I ask you, Do you eat and drink without discretion? Do you have any idea what you ingest and the nutritional value of it? Uh, Gluttony can be when you're eating without, you're not waiting for anybody else. You're just, the table man, I'm getting it all as fast as I can. You're eating without thanking, thanking God for who gave it to you or thanking the person who prepared it. Or do you kind of turn your nose up at certain food because it's not of a good quality. It wasn't cooked well, it wasn't cooked right. Or maybe, Again, bringing myself in a little bit. Do you eat maybe too many exotic meals where food is too important? And have you ever stepped back to really think and go, wow, how much am I really spending on the food that I'm eating? And have I made food more important than maybe it really is? And so I think the questions we have to wrestle with, as I've already asked once, and that is just what are you eating? And how much are you eating? And when are you eating? I think those are questions that we have to really honestly ask ourselves so that we're not walking around like I was walking around thinking, hey, I'm beating the system. Let's talk about greed. What is greed? Greed is a selfish, and this is important, a selfish desire for more and more and more. And in particular, in the context of the scriptures, it's money and possessions. Uh, I asked you to turn to Luke chapter 12. Let's look at what Jesus He's in a parable, Luke chapter 12, verse 16. says, then he told them in a parable, he says, a rich man's land was very productive. He thought to himself, what should I do since I don't have anywhere to store my crops? I will do this, he said. I will build a self-storage building. No, I'm sorry, I'm sorry. I'll tear down my barns and build bigger ones and store all my grain and my goods there. Then I'll stay, say to myself, you have many goods stored up for many years. Take it easy, eat, drink, and enjoy yourself. But God said to him, you fool. This very night your life is demanded of you and the things you have prepared, whose will they be? That's how it is with the one who stores up treasure for himself and is not rich towards God. What we need to understand about greed is that it's significantly easier to see it in other people and not in yourself. Greed is deceptive. It sneaks up on you. And the reason that happens, or maybe a, a way that that happens is, no one really thinks they're rich. It's always the next income level above them. If you ask someone, hey, are you rich? More than likely they'll say, no, I'm not rich. They might say, I'm, I'm, I'm content, but I'm not rich. And if you ask them, well, who is rich? And they'll, they'll name or, or describe someone that makes a little bit more than they do. And that's what's deceptive about greed. Is that if we don't think we're rich, then we think that greed is really just a function of those who are rich. Kind of like the person who's, who thinks that, that gluttony is really just an issue of someone who overeats, or, or who, who, I'm sorry, who is overweight. I've already spelled that idea. But the same is with greed, and greed makes us think, well, I, I'm, I'm not greedy because I'm not rich. But when you see Jesus' teaching on rich, Most of the time when he used the word rich, he wasn't talking about a number. He wasn't talking about quantity. He was talking about a relationship that one has with their money. And everyone has a relationship with their money. I have a relationship with my money and you have a relationship with your money. And we realize that money is important and and, and money can buy us things and money can take us places and and money provides us security and those kinds of things. And, And sometimes our identity and our status can be attached to money. I mean, we have that kind of relationship with money. And most of the time, it's very unhealthy. And so, what we need to recognize is that greed doesn't look at how much you have. You can have a little and still be very greedy. You can have a lot and still be very greedy. And Jesus warned us about the fact that, 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 that greed can sneak up on us. In Luke chapter 12, verse 15, Jesus said, watch out and be on guard against all greed because one's life is not in the abundance of his possessions. It may not surprise you, or maybe it will. I've been doing ministry for a long time. I've never once had anyone come to me and say, Kevin, I'm struggling with greed. I've had them come and say, I'm struggling with anger. I'm struggling with bitterness. I'm struggling with lust. I'm struggling with pride. No one's ever come to me and said, I'm struggling with greed. Because greed is just deceptive. And it sneaks up on us. And, and greed is found, every one of us is on the road that could lead to Greed. And the reason I say that is because greed is found at that point in which all of your needs are met and you have something left over. And when I say needs, important that I qualify that. When I say needs, I mean needs that are shaped by the teaching of God's word. Needs that are shaped by the eternal perspective we have that this is not home and what is coming for us. Uh, Needs that are shaped by being rich for God. And when we're given, and most often, or I should say, to many people, generally speaking, we are given and we have more than we really need. And at that moment, we need to walk carefully because greed is crouching and greed is lurking. Now, am I saying that you can't go past your needs to your wants? Not at all. Not at all. God blesses us with many experiences and and, and things that we can enjoy. But if we're not rich with God with the excess of what he gives us past our needs, if that's not happening, then yes, my friends, you're, you're walking headlong into greed, as would I. So we have to be really careful about that. And, and where you'll find greed is when you, when you start to feel discontent or when, you're, when there's ingratitude. Greed loves that. That's a petri dish for greed to kind of grow. This was a statement and I, I just I wrote it down and I thought I'd repeat it to you. I, I love the way this um, is stated about discontent because so many of us think contentment is circumstantial. If I can just change my circumstances. I mean, times when I go back and I look at my journal and, and this is just me ca- capturing my thoughts with God and I'm, I'm writing him, uh, you know, my prayers out to him and I'll go back and I'll look at them and sometimes I'm asking, I'm pleading, change my circumstances, I'm stressed. I'm anxious. Change them. And then he takes me over to Philippians chapter 4. And Paul says, I've learned to be content with a lot and I've learned to be content with a little. And the secret is Jesus and my relationship with him. But this is a statement that goes to those who think, who are kind of in a a perpetual state of discontentment or ingratitude. He says, Those who are discontent with what they have will never be content with what they want, it'll just keep moving the bar. If you can't find contentment in your, in, in your circumstances because of relationship with Christ, then you're always gonna be struggling with discontent as you try to move up. Now, on the other side, the good news is you can actually be content with what you have and work for what you want. Like if you wanna say you're renting and you're you're saving money up for a house, you can be content in that rental situation. By content, I mean you're not pining about the house that you don't have and that your house that you really want. You're not cutting corners with your character and your reputation and with your family and with God so that you can make sure that you're there in that house. You're not doing any of that. You're content where you are because your relationship with God and you're working towards something that you want. So in that sense, I'm not saying that we can't be looking towards those things. Not at all. Now greed, like gluttony, has many different faces. One example I think that you have to ask yourself, am I a greedy person? And that is, what kind of tipper are you? Now i got to ask this question very carefully these days. Because everybody wants a tip. And some people want a tip for doing jack squat. And I'm not good with that. I tend to be, I really do want to be a generous giver, a, a generous tipper, I really do. When someone serves me, I'm doing that. Nancy and I were, we were on vacation a few weeks ago. We go to this place where you walk down and you order the, the, the food the, on, on the buffet and it was a, there were vegetables so I, I ate healthy, okay. And I got to the end and I, and I knew, because we'd been there before, that, that, all, that we, all our dishes, our plates and our utensils and our cups, we were gonna bust our own table, and she, you know, she's got the sign, and then she flips it around, and there it is, tip. And it's almost like when every time they do it, you wonder if everyone that works there, like everything stops and they whoop, they look and see, what's he gonna do? No pressure at all, I said zero, boom, zero. I have no problem doing it, I'm not gonna tip for, for busting my own table and carrying my own food out. I'm just not gonna do that. I'm okay with that. I'm not talking about that kind of tipping. Okay, which just a little into that story, like five people got their food before us to the point I had to go ask, where's my food? And honestly, I'm thinking, that lady knew, I didn't tip her anything, said, hey, put him at the bottom of the line. I I, I wouldn't be surprised if that happened. But that's for another day. That's for another day, okay? Um, but, But do you think about, are you trying to be generous when you tip? Anybody here without a show of hands, do you buy things that you don't need because, man, it is a great deal, but you don't need it? Or do you buy something that's brand new, but the thing you've got works just fine, right? Or maybe the obvious one. Do you take what God has given you that <clears throat> surpasses the needs that you have, and do you, are you rich with God in that? Are, are you rich in the kingdom of God. Because if not, my friends, you, you might be in the thick of, of greed, okay? So, what is gluttony, what is greed, there we go. <clears throat> Let me address now that it, it, ultimately, uh, gluttony and greed, uh, and hopefully you are considering what I've said uh, in light of what I've said, and that is that they're, not, they're not external, it's not what you see. Gluttony and greed is really a condition of our hearts It's an unhealthy condition of our hearts and it's the condition of discontent. And what we do is our hearts go looking in the wrong places and we go looking for food and we go looking for money and possessions and things and stuff, trying to satisfy the discontent in our hearts. Because when we're at unrest with God, we will go seeking our hearts, I think I said this before and this is not my quote, but our hearts are idle factories and they'll pump out things that we have to have in order to be happy. And for some of you that could be food, It could be a a certain amount of money. It could be a certain possession or possessions. And they have control over us. I mean, can you, those of you that maybe are are thinking about how you eat, can you begin to eat to live rather than to live to eat? Could could you take what what you spend on yourself past your needs, could you take a, a portion of that, a sacrificial portion, something you would feel, and begin to help someone else who's in need? Could you do that? Or would you start to feel like, ugh, and, and, and the struggle with gluttony and greed? The question I was asking myself, and that is, why do people turn to food? Why, why do they turn to money and their possessions? Why, why do they turn there and not to God? And, and I thought about just in my own life. Um, I was turning to food to try to gain weight, to try to live down the words in my mine that still are there to this day, to this day. When I go to the doctor and I step on the scale, if I've lost a pound, I hear them. And I know that might sound crazy to you. But Nancy would just look at me like, you gained, a pound, you gained two pounds, so, or you lost two pounds, so what? And I had to look at it, I go, sweetheart, you gotta understand, I hate it. I hate it. Because that voice starts going off again. And the insecurities that came with that start, they're triggered and they fire. And, and I gotta deal with that. So I, I, I don't mean it all, and I hope you're not trivializing that because it, it, it is hard. It is hard. And as I get older, it, it only seems to be getting harder, which is rather strange. But so what I would do is I would eat to try to push those voices down. Uh, to try to um, not feel so insecure. To try to get people's approval. Try to get the coach to say, Sullivan, way to go. Um, other people turn to food for comfort. You're, you're anxious, you're nervous, and you, and you turn to, to this, rather than turning to God and say, help me, you, you turn to food, and you, and you, and you kind of say, or maybe it's a drink, or maybe it's a drug, just help me to forget. I'm gonna wake up to this, but I wanna forget about it right now. Uh, people turn to greed because they, they wanna be secure. It's kind of like the guy who, who's building a bigger barn, right? I mean, I got enough, so no matter what happens, I'm good. But God's saying, wait a minute, That's my place. I want you to say, no matter what happens to me, I got God. Don't say, I got a bigger barn, a bigger bank account, another car. that's, that's, That's greed speaking. That's greed sneaking into your life. Or whether it's about status and look at what I can afford, look what I can drive, look what I can wear. I mean, greed comes at us like that. And it's just for us at times, it's just so hard to believe that Jesus is enough. But Jesus says, come to me all you who are weary and heavy burdened and I'll give you rest. My friends, food can't do that in a sustainable way. Money can't do that in a sustainable way. Whatever, the fun things you have, the toys you have, they, they cannot do that in a sustainable way. Only God can do that. As he is allowed in your life and in my life to do what he says and promises, that only he can do. Now let me just mention one, uh, before we get to the cure, because that's always the best part, let me just say this about gluttony and greed. If that is happening in your life, what it's doing is it's revealing the absence of two very, very important characteristics of those who choose to follow Jesus. It is revealing that you are struggling with self-denial and self-control. And Jesus, in his invitation to all who follow him, in Luke chapter nine, verses 23 and 24, he says, if anyone would come after me, he must deny himself, take up his cross daily, and follow me. For whoever seeks to save his life will lose it, but whoever loses his life for my sake will find it. Jesus invites you and invites me to deny ourselves. And to say Jesus is enough and this world is, is, is it's going to pass and, and what is coming, my, my eternity that is coming is what I'm living for. And so I can deny myself here. But gluttony and greed say, how's that going? Can you really do that? And then there's the, the, the idea of self-control. And, and that is that when we become followers of Jesus, we're given the spirit of God. And the Spirit of God enables us to have what's called the fruit of the Spirit in Galatians chapter five. I think it starts verse 22, 23. And the fruit of the Spirit, in other words, the virtues that we are infused with by the Spirit of God coming inside of us once we put our faith in Christ is love and joy, peace and patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, faithfulness. And what's the last one? Self-control. And that is what you and I desperately need to say no to gluttony to say no to greed. And by self-control, it doesn't mean that you have, God gives you this ability to exercise your own willpower power. No, 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 no. It is as your relationship with Christ and stays connected, you receive the spirit of God that enables you and, and empowers you to have the spirit's control in your life. And when we're walking around like gluttony and greed's no big deal, my friends, we are sabotaging what we desperately need to really be as a witness, those who can deny ourselves and the power to do that through self-control. So let me move on. Let me finish with, let's talk about the cure for gluttony and greed. What does that look like? Well, my friends, it starts with, and this is maybe the most important thing I could say this morning, because if you walk out of here thinking I've got to work harder on pushing away from the table and I've got to work harder on not spending all the money on myself. If you do that, that is religion. And you will not have the supernatural presence and power that you need to do what I'm describing. Because what the cure for gluttony and greed, it begins with and must begin with, it must start with Jesus and his gospel. His message. Paul says it this way. He's talking to Corinthians. He says, For you know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ. Though he was rich, for your sake he became poor, so that by his poverty you might become rich. And, and Paul does not mean rich monetarily. He's saying that Jesus became impoverished. He, he, he allowed himself to be crucified. He, he lived a human life and, and, and in that moment when he's on the cross and he's separated from God the Father, which he had never experienced before, he became completely impoverished for you and for me. And then God raised him. And he did that, Paul says, so we could be rich. We could be objects of God's love. We could be children of God. We could be loved and pursued and endured by the one who has everything and will spare nothing to give you what you need and what I need to live God's plan for our lives, not our plan. The moment we denied ourselves and followed Jesus, we said, here are my plans. I don't trust my plans anymore like I trust yours. And we receive that and we're given that and that's the, rich, the richness that we experience. So it's got to start there, because if it doesn't, it becomes religious. And Paul picks this later up in his letter to the Colossians in Colossians chapter two, verse twenty-three. He's talking to people who are working really hard, trying to do what only they can do, and they're, they're like, they're they're suffering, they're they're letting their bodies uh, and they're hurting their bodies. There's this ascetic kind of lifestyle they're thinking it's gaining God's favor, and Paul says this to them. Although these have a reputation of wisdom by promoting ascetic practices, humility, and severe treatment of the body, he says they are not any value in curbing self-indulgence. Religion will never get you where God wants you to be. It'll never get me where God wants me to be. So it starts with the gospel. Secondly is we must stay connected to Jesus. And this is my life verse that I share with you guys when we were doing the I Am series, uh, when Jesus, I Am statements. He says, I am the vine, you're the branches. This is John 15, five. He who remains in me and I in him, he bears much fruit. Go back, fruit, Galatians chapter five, self-control. He bears much self-control. For apart from me, you can do nothing. So we've gotta stay connected through the scriptures, through prayer, through just time alone, through worship, through serving, just stay connected. And then very specific to the two that we've been talking about for gluttony, the answer is regular fasting. You just gotta push away and you gotta say, I'm gonna deny myself and I'm, I'm, gonna, I'm gonna stop eating and I'm gonna pray every time I'm kind of, I feel a hunger pain. That's, you, you attack gluttony head on and you say, no, I'm not gonna give into that. In the same way with greed, you do the same exact thing with greed. With greed, you one, regularly thank God, just stay in that mindset of thanking God, because if you're thankful for what you have that breeds contentment, which enables you to be generous, and that's what you do, you fight greed with generosity, and you give to help other people, you give in a way that you feel it, it's a sacrifice, it's like, ouch, I wasn't able to do that because I'm doing this. Good, you're developing generosity and you're fighting greed right there on the front line as would will I. So that's the cure, so in light of the cure let me just close with two things related to gluttony and greed. For gluttony I'm gonna ask you as I mentioned before, this week I want you to please reflect on everything you eat. Say why am I eating this, what am I eating, how much am I eating, When am I eating? Just really reflect on that. Secondly is I challenge you to fast from one or two meals. Pick a day. Say I'm gonna fast and as I'm prompted with those hunger pains, I'm gonna pray, okay? For greed, I'm just gonna challenge you to give sacrificially to God's work regularly. Maybe that's someone, you know, is a need. Maybe it's the support of ministry or a cause. But the only way I know to fight greed is to give away... The source that greed hopes that you continue to hold to so it can chip away at your heart, thinking you need more and more. But if you don't have to get more, you've kind of cut greed off at the knees a little bit. Okay? And we'll do that together. Our family, we'll do that together. Okay? Let me pray. God, thanks for your word Thank you for your patience and your mercy and your grace. And God, I say before my church family, I I thank you that that you have forgiven me for something I should have asked for forgiveness a long time ago. And I trust that though the consequences remain, I trust you and I believe that you will give me everything that I need to face that, that challenge. And I pray the same for every person that's listening right now that they would know your incredible love, and that, Father, that we would set out to fight this sickness within, not in our own strength, but we will start with Jesus and what what you have done for us and and what that shows about our worth and value that you would give up your son and how generous he was to go to the cross on our behalf. Lord, may we, out of that, by gratitude, stay connected, fast, and live generously, Lord. And I pray this in Christ's name, amen. Amen.